but I think it's a good illustration of the struggle that's going to be how do I and we convey the lore to you and listeners because it's so like it's a big ask yeah unless you want to listen to me read for like um you know an hour and then roll a dice you know because even with harm's way it's not crucial for you guys playing through this one shot but there's like a little short story about a scrapper getting like um trying to reach out like they were undercover um in the scrappers or something like that and it ties into the the scenario it's not crucial but it's like well, unless they're reading that and then stop there's really no way to get that to you guys so yeah um but my hope is we do this everyone gets interested and then like then people do buy in and by people i mean you guys and I don't just mean buy in the book. I mean, like, you know, read about, which sounds like you guys already have, so you're ahead of, ahead of pace. So that's cool. Yeah. Probably. So when I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, when I first started pouring into it, like, I could see how what you're saying is like a big ask. It's like, you know, like a Clockwork Orange, the role playing game where everybody's using different fruits and milks and all that stuff. And you have to take the time to figure out what they're talking about. And, um, but I wanted to make sure I at least had a grasp on it because I was reading it and I'm like, okay, there's no way I'm going to get through all this. And so I, hopefully it's okay. I just tried to target. Oh yeah. I mean, I character. haven't, I haven't even gotten through that. I just wanted to get, you know, enough to get the, the hooks in. So, I mean, there's so much in their short stories and it's just nuts. Right, and that's one of the difficulties is, you know, the way that they, they write it is both a blessing and a curse, right? Because, you know, they yeah. have those short stories and, and the way that they sort of describe things kind of is what makes it all cool, but that it also is what makes it really difficult because, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to sort of look through this and like, wait a minute, where's the, where are the mechanical bits? Where are the parts that I really need to know? You know, what are the non-fluff things? And you're like, I know I read about this someplace. And then it's sort of buried between, you know, short stories or something. Right, you know? right. And so you're like, and I, pulling I your think, hair out. I think you can, like, that's all supplemental. I yeah. I mean, I think it, it pays off if you do want to dig in, but you don't have to. And that's one of the things. I don't know how late um, Rex will be here, but that's kind of one of the zero session things I want to get through is. All right, well, how much do you guys want to get out of this? How much do you want to... Because there's like a four-part epic pre-written campaign that just sounds amazing. But I think if, if, to get the most out of that, then that's going to be the most work. Or do you guys just want to play around in a really cool world and scratch the surface? So, well, Is there a fourth person? Did you get a fourth? Uh, so um, Caleb, Caleb dropped. And so um, we'll try to get a fourth person going forward, but not tonight. Did, not tonight. All right. Well, because, you know, the thing about about this is that uh, from a just a selfish perspective, you know, I, I well, I guess part of my uh, part of my thought process sometimes is 
you know, I, I've sort of in the last, you know, I don't know, since 5e draw, right? You know, how many years ago is that? You know, I've been playing, you know, these campaign books, you know, starting at level one, you know, Storm King's Thunder or versus Straw, right? And then going all the way up to between level, you know, 10 and 15, depending on where it is. And so going through all that, and then, you know, you finally sort of end, and then you start another, you know, another cycle. Um, and this is a game that I kind of feel would be really great to do something like that. You know, like I think one-shotting it is probably not really going mm -hmm. to be very satisfying considering mm -hmm. all the information that's here, right? Um, and, and you know, again, you read all these, you know, these paths for your, your clan and, you know, the different sort of uh, ranks. And you're like, well, you know, you got to be playing for a long time before you can get to any of those where, you know, some things right. really kind of open up, right? Um, so, and considering now I put so much reading into this, because I've probably <laughs> read 80% of Catharsis, maybe even 90 at this point, and probably like 30% of of the Primal Punk one. You know, so it's like it's 750 like, pages. Yeah. I, I, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I absolutely want to do something cool in this world, you know, whether that's a, a longish campaign, you know, just some time. I want to spend some time here and really kind of, you know, get to know it. And also because of my personality, I like to know the world. You know, mm -hmm. I like to know all those details, you know. So the problem is, is that, you know, as I'm getting older, it's harder for me to remember it. So, you know. <laughs> I've got to kind of, you know, re, re, you know, reread things or, you know, but, but that's also part of why I like going sort of for the long haul, you know, because then it allows me to kind of, you know, really kind of build on what I'm doing. So, yeah, well, well, I think this is also, um, well, first off, hi, Rex, how are you? I'm good. I was just going to say uh, in response to Pete that it was it's was Pete's distinct lack of personality that recommended him. So I'm a little troubled that he's now, <laughs> now that he's in kind of changing the deal on us. So. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> nice. So that, that was all very well said. And I agree a hundred percent, Pete. I think this is, um, and Rex, I think it, maybe you have, and I know Ty has like this whole concept of like this once a month or once every couple months, isn't an ideal way to play RPGs. And I think that's super true with the Genesis. So uh, here's what I think I'll do. Let's real quick, just give an intro to what the game is for the listeners. Now that Rex is here, and then we'll do a little bit of a zero session and then, and then hopefully dive in. So um, the Genesis is an RPG system that's been in the work for, I don't know, probably 15 years or something like that. They've had a few different versions, but the most recent version is called the Genesis Rebirth. And it's available for free online. You can go download all the books. The physical books are like projects of love. They're basically art books. And what we've kind of been talking about up to this point is how the story is presented is through massive amount of story and just tons of lore. So the 750 pages that Pete's talking about reading, there's just a ton, a ton of stuff. And then on top of that, there's little side stories you can go read or supplemental books. It's just nuts. So uh, it's post-apocalyptic RPG, and it's also pretty serious and dark and grim and deals with adult themes. So if those are things you're not into, then uh, this may not be for you. But I think this is a reward, uh, an RPG that's going to reward deep 
dive into into the world because it's there's a lot of cool shit going on. There's a lot of different cults and cultures and just a changed world uh way different than ours. So that is the Genesis. Who do we have playing this little one shot we're gonna do? So we're gonna do a one shot, I should add real quick, and then hopefully dive in the deep end after that. Uh I can go. Yeah. Uh yeah, so my character's name is Edda. Uh, she is a city judge and the judges are sort of like this uh, older tradition that started with a single sort of figure of legend. Uh, he just sort of took it upon himself to start uh, bringing law and order back to the post-apocalyptic wasteland after uh, everything went horribly wrong. And his justice is very brutal uh tries to be very fair and he sort of wrote down all of his thoughts and wanderings into a journal and that sort of became the judge's bible so every judge i believe gets a copy of this my specific judge edda was sort of in a not in the main city of justidian but she was further out i think in in the boonies and while there she sort of got addicted to drugs a little bit and um is now getting called back to the main city and she's a little apprehensive about that because you know in theory judges should not be a junkie she's she thinks that the judges might be cool with it but there's other factions involved that are much more uh, uh sticklers for the rules it's like uh, some I, I apologize i forget the name of it it's something to do with like uh healthcare is part of the name of the of the group and i it's not literally healthcare but it involves people of like a medical persuasion and they would be less uh open to a, a drug addict judge um but yeah so oh, at a uh, but i can't remember the name of the group and i apologize that's gonna happen to me a lot because i i can't i couldn't keep a lot of the the nomenclature are you talking about the, yeah. the cold of cold of doctors it the might be battalions it's not this battalion this battalion's uh, in in what I was sort of gathering, I, I figured Edda could sort of sidestep them a little bit, but there was somebody else that it wasn't quite so sure. Nice. And that's a good yeah. note. Like uh, there's a ton of stuff here. And so we're just going to get uh, a little taste of it. Um, Rex, you, you just dived in. Do you want to tell us about Mika? Mika Stukov. Um so Mika is not, if I'm understanding this correctly, a member of one of the big cults that have broad uh, regional and numeric uh, appeal. She is a member of the Carrion Birds. She's a local. She very much has grown up on the streets, seen... Um, the hypocrisy of the judges, the um, the the foolish faith-based zeal of the chroniclers, um, and the uh, and her brother's a spitalian, um, and he's an idealist. She understands that if you're not in a clan, you're you're nobody. Um, but the carrion birds are, and I'm going to go above table for a second. I'm assuming they kind of fall into what they call clanners, which is kind of the catch-all for small clans, or am I misunderstanding that? 
no, no real so um the cleaners are what cleaners are like a catch-all and they all have, there's different cultures they cling to different ideas but basically they're kind of they are their own cult um based off their own okay. cultures and what mika is is mika ha- is part of the sukov clan and she wants to she's attracted to the carrion birds or the apocalyptics she's just not in yet okay so the, so are the carrion birds like a local name for one of the established or a local subset of one of the established cults in the book. They uh, are. Yeah. Go ahead, B. I was going to say that they are the apocalyptic group, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there we go. They're, they're like the top ones. And, and that's the, the people that I'm, I'm involved with. Nice. Um, but Mika very much, um, she sees that if you don't affiliate with the clan and and use that, then you're just going to be the detritus that gets ground under the wheels of all the different clans battling for their own vision of what the future is. And she's seen how that side of the story ends. So she wants to see how the story might play out if she was on the inside. Thanks. And then finally, Pete, all right, so uh, I'm uh, playing Vesper, and Vesper uh, is an apocalyptic from Borka, uh, who is a zealot, and uh, his rank uh, in the apocalyptic, like I said, he's he's you know uh, you know in the carrion bird, you know sort of section, and they start off with the first rank of being a finch, and and basically a finch is I, I don't know if any whoever out there. You guys or listeners have been in a fraternity, but it, it feels and sounds like a lot like, uh, you know, pledging when you're a finch. Um, you are the pledge. You do everything nasty and bad that the, everybody else doesn't want to do. You're constantly derided um, and uh, uh, you know, told to do things until that one day when you are finally accepted uh, into the clan. Uh, and you can, you know, uh, rise in your rank. So he is at that stage where he's put up with all this BS for over a year now, or about a year, I think is what it said. And, you know, he's, he's rip raring to go. And as a zealot, his concept, you know, he just believes in all of that, just drinks it all in. So, you know, again, if anybody was in a fraternity, he's that one pledge that was always, you know, like, you know, thank you, sir. Can I have another, you know, at the front of the line, you know, kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of where he's at. Now, the apocalyptics, they're all about serving the id, you know, so, you know, they're uh, you know, all about debauchery. They're all about pleasures. They're all about, um, yeah, just just satisfying the, the id. Um, and uh, that's, I think, where there's some connections there with with your character art where I think that uh, somewhere along the line there was some sort of connection with that in your your potential addiction so and go ahead yeah I was gonna say yeah when I came back to Justidian uh, I found a new supplier I guess the drug is called burn and the 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 quandary that I'm going to find myself in is that uh the the carrion birds that's the group you're with right yep 
um, they sort of are threatening to out me when I was talking about the healthcare. It's the um, oh, what was uh, something of the hygienics office of the hygienics that. That's the Finch. And somehow you got roped into probably helping him, right? Um, and then Rex, you know, your character wants to be become a carrion bird so much that this is the I think the way that she's trying to get in, you know, is to help out, you know, in this circumstance. And then the other character was supposed to be her brother, which was like, Well, I'll help my sister do whatever even right. if I don't agree with her, I'll I'll help her. You know, so so that was sort of my understanding of how all four of us fit together. Nice. Uh, Sounds wonderful. Uh, so let's let's step away from the characters real quick, and we I I uh, Pete chime in at the end here, but I think I understand what you want to get out of this. So let me ask Art and Rex, what are you guys? What do you want to get out of the Genesis? Like, are you just wanting to try this out and see what the one shot is? Do you want to? Does the thought of the like massive four tome epic story spanning all across all across what remains of Europe um interesting to you or or I guess just what are you hoping to get out of this? I think R should go first. <laughs> okay. Uh what do I hope to get out of it? Uh so the first steps I hope to get out of it is just to see the sort of setting and I guess the mechanics, you know, the mechanics look interesting enough, but mostly just to see the setting in action because I confess trying to penetrate the books, I, I bounced off a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so what I'm hoping to see is sort of in play, sort of the the potential, because it's it's hard to deny, like, like you've been describing, just hundreds and hundreds of pages of lore that it's uh, it's got to be fascinating right um that's sort of the the hope i have so the, for the one shot now i'm hoping to you know really get to hopefully get a better grasp of everything and then for the long term i'm always up for i, I think i said this to somebody in some other discussion but i i like when the gm has a real potential passion for like when something really gets their hooks into in this case potentially matt um, and so I'd be along for the ride for that because I think those make for really good games. So, uh, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, stick around for whatever happens. Thanks Rex. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, I, the system seems fine to me. Um, it, it might actually be great. I don't know, but I mean, it, the system seems familiar to me like i don't think it's anything revolutionary it's the setting that i find really interesting and i um you know it, it, normally post-apocalyptic doesn't do anything for me um hmm. and the genesis was like the first post-apocalyptic setting that like really made me go huh now this i i could see playing it because a lot of times when i think post-apocalyptic 
it's you know it's just Mad Max and that there's kind of like a gonzo silliness to it that really doesn't do a lot for me. Now I, I did it was interesting. This came up right about the same time that Ty started uh, Mutant Year Zero, Mutant Year Zero. So I decided to jump in on that as well. And like a big suck ass I missed last night. Um, uh, so I definitely want to play through this one shot to get a feel for what it's like to play in this world. And um, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that I'll be interested enough in the world to really dive in, you know, make my own character and really really push because I am fascinated with just all the work they've done. Right. Um, and I tend to like games that have kind of a darker tone. This game clearly has that in, in spades. So um, I'm, I'm the exploring the setting is the part that I find really interesting. Very good. Uh, Pete, anything else, Dan, what you said earlier? No, you know, I think that, um, you know, like I said earlier, I, I, it seems like a really great world. Um, you know, again, system aside, just like Rex said, you know, just a really fascinating world that has just a lot, a lot of lore. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if I'm going to play it, I kind of want to get deep into it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, a, it's a bunch of reading that I'll forget about and then be like, well, oh, that was that was a waste. So I am kind of hoping for a, a longer term thing, if, if it's possible. If you like it, you know, oh, yeah. DM it long term. Yeah. So a couple of follow up thoughts, um, and mainly to to Rex's point. What what I find so fascinating about Rebirth is, um, it looks gorgeous, right? I mean, so all that stuff aside, I think you can have different post apocalyptic experiences with how they've crafted this world because if you go to Africa they're dealing with different threats and situations like there's this basically this creeping um like plant stuff that they don't really know what it is encroaching on the entire continent but as a whole Africa is like thriving and and the the cultures there and the clans there are doing really well and it's just different than some of the outpost stuff. So I, I think you could get the Mad Maxi vibe, but also you can just get like a completely different, you know, civilization that's built on the backbones of, of humanity from, you know, 500 years ago or whenever it takes place. Um, so that's something we can certainly explore as, as we go deeper. Okay. Well, what kind of post-apocalyptic experience do you want to get? And um, we can cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. So, you mentioned the, the system. Let's get that out of the way real quick because it's fairly straightforward. Uh, Art and Rex, I, you guys will be familiar with it for sure because it's similar to Alien. I don't know if you've played those games yet, Pete, but essentially it's a D6 system. Um, and you will, let's say I make an athletics check that's under body. So you would roll your body points and your athletic points that many dice. So if you have three body and one athletics, you'd roll four dice. You're looking for fours or hires, four successes. And a six, each six you get is like how good you do that thing. So maybe that means you go faster or, you know, you do it, you know, in style or something like that. There's no pushing your roles like like Alien, but it's kind of that where you have an overall attribute tied to a skill. That's how many dice you get. 
Um, you can do some crazy stuff where you like combo abilities to try to get more successes. Like the example is like you're trying to chase a guy down on a horse and then you want to hit him with your sword to take him down. Like you could group together agility, navigation, plus body and brawl and attempt to do some cool stuff. So um, there is some meat and bones here, but pretty much you're just rolling a bunch of D6 looking for fours or hires. Sixes are good. If you roll a bunch of ones, things can go, you can botch the whole thing and have negative consequences. And then anytime you roll dice, um, so you'll have an action number. That's the number of dice you roll and then a difficulty level. And that's how many successes you're looking for. Any questions on the. Nope. Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. It is. Okay. Uh, any other zero session stuff to get out of the way? Can't imagine so. Any drinks going on, or is it? Uh, oh yeah, too dark. Right. Where am I? Where am I? <laughs> yeah, should we take some drink orders? Uh, I'm yeah, I'm water right now, so I don't think that's going to change, but it might. Unlikely to, but it might. So art. Uh, Tears of Victims and uh, Negro Modelo. Nice. Living up that bachelor life. And I heard Pete, you said you're dry as well. Uh, Yeah, I I don't. I don't even. No, it's not even. I don't even have uh, water. I'm just. Yeah. No, nothing to drink right now. Should Should we remedy that? Because I don't have a glass of water either. I've been like at the computer listening to music to get pumped, and I I forgot to get a drink. So if we could just take a minute while I fix that. Okay. Sure. Sure. I'll be right back. So in my head, Backdoor was listening to REO Speedwagon to get ready for this. <laughs> um, just like the most dissonant, like, I don't even want to know how fractured uh, that that's in my head. It's uh, that's where, where I am. That's funny. Yeah. I, I, I'm I, I, REO Speedwagon wasn't anybody that I really was into. So I really couldn't. Or comment on that. Striper, Christian metal. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. Yeah. I was thinking more of. Uh, I think it was Derek had kind of turned me on to this kind of. Uh, uh, well, it, I guess it's from a genre called uh, stoner rock, and it's kind of this uh, sort of blues, uh, hard rock. Uh, psychedelic kind of fusion uh all all them witches was the band that he actually uh, had me listen to and so uh, they they kind of they kind of strike me as is this this kind of system um, as a, <laughs> as, a, uh, as a soundtrack yeah. for this system all right have have you guys uh have you guys drank high noon before I don't know if I have. No, I don't think so. I don't believe so. So it's just another one of those vodkas and tonic water, you know, like truly your white claw, but it's the first one that I actually like. Like I can't stand any of the others. That's pretty good. So that's what I grabbed. Nice. Uh, So everyone's speculating on your musical choice. I'm going to say Nitzereb. Say what? Nitzereb. I don't know what that is. Nitzra. Oh my goodness! If I knew how to run Groovy, I'd get some Nitzrev in here right now and let you. Uh... So I went for some. Uh, it looking at Nitzrev, you may be close. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it. 
Well, well, here we go. Let's get into it. I went for some pre-use uh, music, but yeah, I think it it fit. So, uh, yeah, I've got a little bit to set the scene, and then we'll we'll dive into the. Uh, so tonight, I guess the last thing I'll add real quick, and then we'll then we'll start playing the game. I promise. Is um, we're just gonna get our feet wet, and we've already introduced the characters. We'll start on the adventure, have some encounters, go through there. We probably I don't foresee us getting into combat. I guess it could happen. Um, and then I, this will probably just take two sessions and then somebody could just punch someone in the face. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. If that happens, we'll bash our heads against combat together. So, okay. all right, I'll just do a little, would, would you, would you prefer that we kind of slow roll combat into the next session? So you got some more time to, yeah. uh, curl up with it. All right. Absolutely. But, I mean, I don't want to prevent it, but I think that would just be best for everyone. Sure. Yeah. All right. Here we go. I'll read a little blurb, and then we'll get started. Eshetan. That's what they called the end of the world. The day when fire rained from the heavens, burning the land, scorching the people. The planet trembled, even in pain like a feverish person in agony. And though Earth endured, it was forever changed. When Eshton fell and the bygone people perished, they took with them 10,000 years of culture. The survivors scavenged and fought for food and clean water. Time passed. The smoke above the great craters blew away, and the people had once more erected a cultural framework around their lives. The year is now 2595, 522 years since Eshton, and Europe has fractured into many opposing cultures. The people of Borca cling to the relics of the bygone age. Frankens thrashed around in the aberrants, pheromone net. Chirgar is a land split between a burnt hellscape and lush, fertile plains, but both are shattered by the feud against the psychokinetics. The Polners wander from the oasis to fractal forests before even the last green area is devoured by the sepsis and the biokinetic plague. Hyperspania is torn apart by centuries-long struggle for liberation in a time anomaly growing in its heart. And beyond the Mediterranean, Africa's resplendent in gold, even as it struggles for its existence against a strange, aggressive vegetation. Seven cultures, 13 cults, countless clans. Is there a future for mankind at all? The world of Genesis is like a ruined garden of Eden, containing the secrets and spoils of both good and evil, of ignorance and enlightenment, of barbarity and virtue. So, the year, <clears throat> what did I just say? 2595. The midday Borkin sun shines down on an assembled queue. It's summer in Justidian and the heat is relentless. A few days ago, you reach hired by a woodpecker working for the carrier birds called Wicker. He provided you with a cart along with a donkey used to pull it and just said, just bring him back one piece, all right? He provided you with three passwords. Hot, Sparrow, Nightingale. One of which is going to be the correct answer to corresponding question for your contract in harm. I just want to make sure I heard those correctly. Hawk, Sparrow, Nightingale. That's right. Alright. Harm can be described as pig shit, pig shit, and pig shit as far as I can see. It's the largest livestock ranch in the entire protectorate. 
uh, squatting on the border of the rubble. It's northeast of Justidian, where you guys find yourselves now. Uh, so you were each promised a, a modest reward, a couple hundred drafts. But for some of you, it's the the real prize is the influence that comes from helping out the carrion birds. Carrion birds are found across all of the protectorate and beyond, and they have immense power in Justidian. Getting on their good side is never a bad thing. Okay, you guys find yourselves in a long, creeping, idling queue. Uh, you're just waiting to inch forward, closing in on a massive construction ahead of you. The Great Northern Wall. The donkey pulling the cart clicks its hooves impatiently. You've been there for about half an hour. Go ahead, Rex. So uh, this is do. Do we understand that this is how you exit the city and make your way to other places? Exactly. So the Great Northern Wall, I'll get you over to the map screen. You guys will be right up here. Okay. Uh, and as you said, you're, you're on the way out of the city. Um, it's, as you approach the inlet and outlet, the inlet is much more... Uh, the outlet stream flows much more regularly. Even though you're going at a pretty idle pace, the intense security on the other side to make sure um, no undesirable goods or undesirable people make it into the city. And for you guys, the outgoing flow is much less intimidating. There's just a, a protector and a single spatillion just watching as everyone inches forward. Uh, and we're leaving from the Stukov quarter. Yep. So I'm thinking this might be the first time that Mika's ever actually left the city. Uh, right. So she's a little, a little anxious, and obviously she's also anxious because of the importance of doing well on this assignment for her, her aspirations. So she's kind of looking around, seeing if she can see or. or observe anything or soak anything that gives her some sense of, of you know, like to, to center on or to grasp onto is a, it's going to be okay. Around you, you see everything appears to be routine and ordinary. You take a few steps forward and you wait and there's idle chatter against, you know, families or a couple scrappers standing in the line, you know, a few spots ahead of you. Everyone just inches forward and, and as a sweat gleams across everyone's forehead. And with you is a, a female judge, which may or may not be um, concerning to you. And then a gentleman you know is Vesper. Um, and you guys can tell me how well you know each other, but he was your, your contact to even get this shot to gain favor with the carrion birds. Um, but, but Vesper is, is actually in the carrion birds, correct? Or is he also kind of auditioning? He is, he is a member. He's just looking to rank up. He's basically the bottom of the bottom. The bottom. Yep. Um, kind I'm like, thinking kind of like in, in, in the guild. Right. So I'm <laughs> thinking that, uh, Mika knows of Vesper. May never have interacted with him, but you know knows his street reputation. Um, uh, doesn't know Etta, and is definitely 
guarded uh, and not engaging with Etta. Yeah, and so are we Beth playing? Are we playing that Kiefer's along, or are we playing that he's not along? Uh, I was playing he wasn't, which, um, but it, I'll leave it up to you since it's your brother. No, let's. I just, I just wanted to know one way or the other. I'm, I'm not lobbying for a position. Okay, so it's no. the three of us. So Vesper and Etta, you both see a timid. Oh, I guess I shouldn't describe her as timid, but at least anxious-looking, nervous-looking, short, young. Um, a few years younger than both of you. And uh, I kind of imagine that you two are leading the donkey and maybe she's kind of lagging behind a little bit nervously keeping up with the with the cart. Like I say, Etta, Etta is approaching this in sort of, she's of two minds. One, she's happy to get out of Justidian. She didn't want to come back here in the first place. But she's she's not happy with these current circumstances you know she's not sure if uh is it vesper yeah. uh she's not sure if vesper is the one that ratted her out and has, has got this whole threat hanging over her started but her approach to this is she wants to do this she wants to get it done and get out from underneath this sort of implied blackmail and uh just move on and and vesper so the interesting thing about that is that Vesper, I think, would be too low rank, frankly, to to be involved in any of that. However, you know, again, he's been he's been trying to you know sort of get out of this rank from the last year and taking all the crap and all the shit. He feels like he's getting just close, close to just getting in, you know, to to getting that next rank. Um, and and knowing that Mika, you know, is is trying to get in, right, and and knowing that. Somewhere along the line, you kind of were pressured, right? I, I'm going to give off that air of, you know, I, I'm, I'm more important <laughs> than I am as this, you know, Finch, right? Because that's my rank, Finn. You know, so, uh, so I'm going to sort of, you know, sort of be a little blustery, you know, on some level, especially with Mika. You know, like, Mika, you know, oh, wait, she was coming with us or she approaching us? She's with you. Like you are all now. We were all together like, going yeah, on. Right, right, right. Right. And, and maybe I see, you know, the, 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 a little bit of a tinge of anxiety. Say, don't worry, Mika. You, you're, we're good. We're good. We, we got this. I, 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 I got us, I got us covered. You know, like I'm the, like I'm supposed to be in charge kind of a thing. When in reality, I'm probably not. Nice. Yeah. And Mika and Etta, you both may know and realize that. In every organization, whether it's the judges or just the the Sukovs themselves or whatever, everyone knows exactly what they need to know, and that's it. And if you're at the bottom, you just simply do what you're told, which is where you're all really at now. You know nothing about your other, other than you're supposed to take this cart, deliver it to the contact and harm, and that's it. Uh, Amika kind of studies Vesper as he says this, and um, she doesn't say anything. She she kind of gives a um, kind of a, a little thankful smile. Uh, she says, "You know, we've got this," and and she now seems a little less anxious to the other two. 
And the more in charge Vesper acts, the more Etta resents him as because she's like, maybe he is the one that got me hooked <laughs> right, into all nice. this. <laughs> right, right. Nice, nice. So as the as the sun rises and the, the heat level rises, you spend another probably 30 minutes in line and you you approach the outflow area, your the cartwheels begin to rattle a little bit against cobblestone street. And you see a spatillion look up from her uh look up from her clipboard and she kind of looks around the group and then she looks she looks at the wagon um let's do this uh let's let's roll some dice real quick um etta you you'd probably have a little bit of familiarity just with your rank and and position give me a legends roll which will be your intellect plus legends okay and does it automatically do that yeah, if you click the text. So the only thing I did on your character sheets was just get these abilities set up. Um, you should just click Legends and it should roll. Nice. So you got one success. Um, which which probably, probably isn't uh, enough to really... Um, you kind of look over her her garb and what she's wearing and you're not able to make out what her rank or position is in the Spatillions. But as you approach, in a bored tone, she asks, Destination? Arm. Scribbles something down and looks back. All right, and cargo? What's in the wagon? Uh, nothing, just delivering a cart and a donkey. Fine. Did you pack your cargo yourself, or did someone do it for you? Uh, we packed it ourselves. There's nothing in it, right? I mean, literally, it's just a cart and a donkey. Oh no, there's a tarp over the top of it, and oh, um, yeah. Oh, it's definitely loaded. Oh, oh, I see. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we we did. Just just supplies. She jots something down on on the clipboard and nods you through, and sure enough, you're you're on your way. You pass into a vast expanse after a, a moment of darkness as you walk through the colossal wall made up of thousands of tons of concrete and steel. You emerge into the world beyond you, which is uh, the neighborhood of the Providers, the rust-red plain of West Borka. And instead of the the sprawling... City of Justidian, you emerge into endless parcels of cultivated land. The funnel road, the northern funnel road, which you've just stepped onto, meanders through the district. And this is the kind of one of the main arteries um, for all of the outlying towns and settlements to Justidian, including Harm. Hmm? You'll. Is it fair to encounter Hunt? Is it is it fair for me to think that Mika's probably not been outside the walls before, or is it not that? Uh... No, I like that. Okay. I so think she's that's definitely um, trying to make sure that this amount of space does not put the zap on her head as the same would go. So she's just kind of seems a little withdrawn now as she's in if the, the other characters would notice that you know things that might seem run of the mill ordinary everyday rural agrarian things to see like 
she seems intensely curious about them and, and watching them as they're making their way down this road. And uh, Etta sort of throws a thumb towards Vesper and says, you know, I don't know if they tell you everything you need to know, but any nightmare you heard about spores are 100% true. Yep. Sort of as like a, a little bit of a shitty thing to do also to be passive aggressively shitty towards Vesper as well. Nice. <laughs> as- and and I, I, Matt, let me ask, do you, do you think that um, anybody, you know, um, who assigned me this task would have given me any indication about what's going on with them? Um, oh, no. Etta? No. Okay. Nope. Um, I mean, you may know um, that she's, uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. All right. So you can generally expect your, your journey on the road to be pretty uneventful. It's patrolled by spatillions and judges, and it's one of the safest paths in the protectorate. Um, it's paved, which means you're going to be able to keep up, keep up a pretty good pace. Probably to harm is about eight hours away, and you'll pass through different families or other journeymen, whatever, as you progress along. So... After, um, after about an hour or so, you come across a, well, first you, you pick up a scent and it's the smell of roasted chestnuts filling the air as you approach a shabby building along the side of the road. It's a tiny open cafe with a bar, a series of stools underneath a corrugated metal roof. There's a watering pool, some fresh hay for animals nearby, all that kind of stuff. And you've stumbled upon a uh, a chestnut roastery. Uh, as you approach, you see one one patron seated at the counter, and then just just someone uh, manning the counter behind him. But that's it. Uh, quickly above the table, do we have a pretty certain idea where we're headed, or is it like go north and it's past like the second tree? But we need to sort of narrow it down on our own. Um, you don't know a whole lot of specifics other than you'll be prompted. You're just supposed to, um, provide the correct answer to a contract contact and harm is really all you've been told that all that wicker told you. Okay. We just know we need to specifically get to harm. You need to take, is there like on the the map that says road to harm. Uh So is there just a road to harm or is it like, well, you know, you kind of start off and then you got to kind of navigate your way or is there just one big road? It's pretty much just one big road to harm from Justinian. Okay. I can show you guys this. So if you just go Northeast from Justinian. Um, yeah, I see. That's where harm is. But it's not like we needed to sort of navigate through wilderness and forests. There's a there's a road that takes us there. Right. It's yeah, and it's paved okay. all the way along. It's pretty straight forward. Just follow the path. What could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
So Mika looks kind of expectantly at Vesper, like, are we, are we stopping here? She doesn't say it, but she's kind of just like looking at the, what did you describe it as again, Matt? Uh, it's, it's like a supply. I don't know. You can get supplies here. It's a little eatery basically. And, okay. um, and, and we were traveling for how long at this point? You've been on the road for just about an hour now. Oh, so probably too soon to, to sort of break to eat something. Yeah, but you do know that this would be a good spot if you wanted them, that you could get some provisions for the road, some roasted oh. chestnuts, that kind of thing. If you wanted them, you just certainly don't have to. Well, I'm wondering. I think since Edda's been out and about a little bit, she sort of takes, she assesses, you know, whatever provisions we have and probably finds them like the bare minimum. So maybe she would be like, we're going to need something else if anything goes wrong. Yeah, probably. And that's the, uh, let's go in and, you know, let's, I haven't had a good roasted chestnut, chestnut in a long time. Very good. You make your way in. Uh, above the bar, you see a sign hung, and it just displays a crude uh, drawing of a sparrow in flight. Oh. Uh, like I said, there's just one gentleman seated at the bar, and uh, he looks up from his uh, his roasted chestnuts, almost a little too eager, and... Uh... Oh, hello there! Howdy. How are the chestnuts today? Oh, great, great, great. What brings you out on the road? I'm on the way to Justidian myself. Got some goods to take to the market. Oh, we're, we're going the opposite way. We're going out towards harm. Mm, harm, yeah. Have you and been? A lot of, I heard there's a lot of pig shit there. Never been myself. Not much for the farming. I'm a woodworker. <laughs> that oh. snooty lot and update seem to like their cultured stuff. So rustic carvings, things like that. Those bastards. What kind of what kind of things do you carve? Oh nonsense. Just just shit those bastards think there's some kind of cultural significance. I don't know. Here, take a look and he he like pulls back a like a canvas bag and there's just different carvings of different i don't know like maybe there's some bowls or stuff and maybe some spatulas that he's he's carved it's not anything really impressive at all anything look like uh you know a bird no 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 okay is there someone working here i'm not i'm not saying this out loud i'm just like does mika see like Someone you could actually order things from. Yeah, or... yeah. There's a guy behind the bar, and he's uh, I don't. He's probably uh, he's just wiping down the bar or something like that. There's not a lot of stuff in here at all. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe some water, uh, like some canteens and some like basic supplies for animals, things like that. Uh, so Mika goes up to him and. Um... You know, in a 
she's trying to come across as, as a little bit naive. I'm, this is my first time out of the city, and I just wonder, is there something you would recommend for a first-time traveler that might make, might, might make my journey more enjoyable or more memorable? Uh, chestnuts. It's a big, big burly guy behind the bar. He's got like a stained white apron on. Mm-hmm. And uh, under that's just like a dirty stained shirt. Ah, chestnuts. Just, and, and how will they help me on the journey? What, what will they offer me? Are you hungry? Oh, I, I could eat, yes. Chestnuts. <laughs> uh, am I getting any kind of read? Is there anything more out of this guy? Or is he just... He's just stuff? bored. I mean, he's a guy that runs a a lean-to on the middle of a road, you know, an out, right. hour outside of the main town. It doesn't have a lot going for him. Right. And do we have any type of... Uh, go above table again for a second. Is this a situation where, you know, we're destitute and and there's not much currency and a lot of stuff is barter, or do we, need, do we not need to worry about that as players, like managing uh, so- our, our budget, for lack of a better term? You, yeah, you guys do have money, um, and he tells you that the chestnuts are are uh, five drafts, um, and so you don't have a ton of money, but it's not like an absurd rate or something like that. Your job, you're each getting paid a couple hundred drafts. If I don't know okay. if that helps put it in perspective, but... and five drafts gets you how much uh, chestnuts? Is that per person? Oh, it's like. Uh... I don't know. You ever buy like boiled peanuts off the side of the road in the south? I love buying boiled peanuts off the side of the road. That's the whole thing I've been thinking about while you're talking about yeah, this. Yeah, it's, it's so. basically that. Okay. All right. What the hell? Oh, you got to come down here, and I'll go get. I'll go take you, and we'll get some boiled peanuts. It's it's a thing. So yikes. Um. Well, as we all know, there's the there's the price that they have up for the city slickers. And then there's what they'll actually sell to you for if you make it clear that you're not paying the city price. Um, so, uh, so Mika's going to try to work them a little bit and right. give me uh, a negotiation role. Basically uh, try to get, try to get like, you know, 30% off uh, on this. As you start to, whatever you start to say to him, you know, he stops, he stops stirring the big vat. He turns around and he crosses both of his arms and he just eyes you up. Give me a roll. Here's the roll. Nice. Um, nice. Okay, so you got two successes and you also got a, um, a trigger. Trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would say with the trigger you probably did this well enough or charmed him well enough. You tell me what you said, but enough to get 30% knocked off. Sure. So what'd you say to him? Right. Um, so the way I approached it is um, like, I basically negotiated the deal for two, like two portions uh, of that. And he's like ready to do the deal. And then I'm like, Oh no, for, for three. Yes. Um, but look at us. We're, we're three people. Bo- three people who will be able to spread the word of your wonderful chestnuts far and wide. And uh, we may be coming this way again. We may even be bringing others with us. So I think of it as an investment. This generosity now may 
repay you tenfold over the course of time. He starts, <laughs> you're funny. And he holds up his hand and he says, three and a half. And he holds up three fingers and then a, a nub of, of his <laughs> pinky finger. <laughs> and he, he scoops out, uh, he scoops out a big old serving of, uh, we'll go with boiled chestnuts. I don't know if that's a thing, nice. but um, now I'm on the, on that track. So yeah, I'm loving it. She put them in the styrofoam cups. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Nice. Fantastic. Um, so must be a story behind that. I point to the finger. Uh, do you care to share it? And he just like, he opens his mouth really wide and he just like, <laughs> and like pretends to bite at it. Hungry. Mm-hmm. And then he just starts laughing and then goes around back to, to stir in his pot of, of chestnuts. Uh, nice. the, the gentleman sitting at the bar turns to, uh, Turns to Etta, and uh, he tells he tells Etta he says, "Yeah, my uh, my shop's not too far away from here. I saw I saw one of those chronicler drones flying over overhead this morning. Hmm? Think they got one of them observers out and about doing surveys? Yeah." And uh, Etta, who had sort of lowered her judges, the brimmed hat she wears over her eyes a little bit, sort of tilts it back and. She had pulled out her codex and had been sort of perusing through it. Uh, above the table, is that something Edda would be like, huh, that's interesting? Or is that sort of just like small talk? It, a little bit of both. Like, yeah, not an everyday thing. Um, but this guy is probably just eager for company as well, too. Uh, yeah, so maybe Edda gives him a little bit. Says, oh, yeah, uh, whereabouts? Oh, I'm just a little bit east of here. Flew right overhead. Scared Tessa right out of her britches. God, I'm going with a southern vibe, and I realize we're in the middle of Europe, (laughs) but I just can't shake it. So, yeah, I I think for the listeners, like Bork is like Germany, Poland, is that sort of area? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's and it's flirting with like being Scandinavian almost. So, but we're 500 years in the future, correct? Yeah, so. So who knows what toxic American culture would have wrought uh, before uh, society imploded. (laughs) Right. Right. Anybody that's going to win an asteroid collision, it's America. Exactly. Exactly. Someone had to get the Germans to boil their chestnuts. Yep. (laughs) I'm on the road. Yep. And, And above the table, those types of drones, that kind of stuff is like scanning like the impacts and the, the growth around them. Is that what the observation stuff does? Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. So like when there's an asteroid impact, there'd be these sort of bizarre spores that cause all sorts of mutations, all kinds of weird shit, which yeah. we haven't okay. even, yeah, right. We haven't even touched on all the weird, the weird stuff going on in this world. Right. Okay. And then that's, so if that's to the East of us, we probably, we're not looking to go there. Um, so then, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead, Pete. Well, just to say real quick, how how long is our journey expected to take? Probably another seven hours. Oh, all right. So it's just within uh, one day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You guys will get there as well, assuming everything goes well. <laughs> but I mean, we can assume that, right? 
Yeah, you, <laughs> totally. And Mika has probably acquired enough chestnuts that, um, like you guys wouldn't be hungry the, the rest of the day as long as you don't get sick of chestnuts. Nice. Or they're not spore infested. That too. Yeah, is that something we're able to sort of tell? I know, like this battalion sort of check stuff coming into the city to make sure it's not. Yeah, but are we able to eyeball it or? So, I don't know if it's something you can eyeball, but like usually there's people get tested. I guess that's a risk you would run into out here. And if you you fail a test, usually you get marked with like a yellow paint kind of thing. And uh, that's not the case here. And this is only what an hour out of out of the city, yeah. Anyway, so right, probably feeling pretty pretty safe. Now, did he have um, other things there? He's you know talked about potentially provisions, or is it just strictly these boiled chestnuts? Very like like I said, there's water and maybe like a few things for animals. Okay. Um, but there's not a lot of stuff. So there's no, you know, sweet armor or you know, uh, no nope. <laughs> automatic weapons or nope. Etta takes a quick moment, you know, and ponders what the uh, old man was saying about the drones to the east, and she just sort of gives him a quick, you know, anything else you saw that's of interest, anything interesting out there. Well, yesterday, Tesla Tesla really struggled with animals yesterday. I think the the chickens were giving her a hard time. I mean, he just starts meandering on about nothing that's of interest to you. Like yeah. for Edda's... him, it's interesting, but for you, it's like what? Yeah, so... Edda just lowers her brim and goes back to her codex. Let's him just talk. And and it, and and it, as, as she sort of does that, I I kind of approach and I say, "Hey, any any uh anything out of harm here? Any 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 information? Any stories or you know any any info coming out of harm? Have you been that way?" No, you know my sister had a cousin from harm, but we probably haven't heard from her in oh a year or so. But I just don't think she liked her. It's not. I mean, it's not that far away. And again, he just starts. Doctor. Yeah. So then I try to 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 make eye contact with uh with uh Etta and kind of roll my eyes like Ugh. <laughs> Etta does not look up from her book and uh wishes the worst for everybody in this room. <laughs> so eventually you guys you guys probably get up and you, you head back out on the road unless there's Yeah. Anything else you want to achieve here? No, I'm good, I think. Nah. It doesn't sound like I'm good as well. Yep. All right. So you guys head out. And... Probably about an hour or so goes by, and... From a mile away... Probably Etta, especially, but the other two can pretty quickly recognize a juryman start to approach down the road. He's just walking with this, you know, pompous swagger that's 
you can easily identify as someone from the judiciary. And as as he draws nearer, he strolls up to you, and Im- immediately, what brings you this way? Uh, is he talking to me directly? It's all of you, and he's kind of looking at, looking around the cart, and he's staring at each of you. Where are you heading? Uh, sorry, sorry. You said he, he sort of he's one of the judges. Is that you? Said yeah, he- yeah. He's a juryman, so he's part of the judiciary in the in the judges. Right. Okay. So then, yeah, I would step up and uh, explain. You know, got my you know judge's hammer over the shoulder, make sure he he knows, and uh, explain. You know, we're headed to harm to drop off these supplies, and I'm and Ed is there, maybe going to see if there's any uh, any crime that's been reported and justice needing brokering. And he seems to not be as he as he kind of strolls around the wagon. He he doesn't even seem to be giving you the time of day. And then he looks up at you with like a real big shit, not shitting grin, but just like a what a smug asshole grin. Says new proclamation came in today. Codex update twenty five ninety seven oh seven verse two gives jurymen the right to apply a toll on the funnel road to support the war effort. If you folks want to keep going, I'll be taking 50 drafts. Would Edda have any knowledge of the Codex? So part of Edda's thing is that, let me just really quickly look at her character sheet. Part of her thing is her concept is a heretic. And so the way I sort of took that is that she's starting to scrutinize the codex's teachings a little bit and not just be like a a drone follower Mm -hmm. would she know anything from the codex well enough to contradict is that the kind of thing where like this part of the bible contradicts that part of the bible or yeah give me a legend rule okay oh whoops i gotta click the character not the pdf sorry one sec (laughs) okay cool nice um two successes and a trigger six okay yes you're actually able you're able to i I don't know either stumble your way or or something rings out but you know that that clause only applies to those traveling with carts carrying 200 kilograms or more (laughs) checkmate um yeah, so that, that you know, because I'm I'm not giving because like I, you know I'm not happy with anybody at the moment. I'm not happy I'm getting blackmailed, but I'm also starting to have my doubts about the judges a little bit. So if I can not take shit from them either, that's a bonus. Yeah. So so, yeah. so do you say something to him? Yeah. So I, I point out that like you know humbly, you know I am familiar with that passage of scripture, and I think if you recall, you know, because obviously you would know it better than I would, but I think it mentions something you're completely forgetting. And, uh, I'm not literally saying that, but I point out like, you know, I think you're right, but it's a little different than what you said. And, uh, you know, cause I was just studying that update myself and, uh, you know, we don't want to, you know, get the codex wrong. Nice. And like, <laughs> Like, I imagine there was a little bit of a passive-aggressive tone here. Like, 
Oh yeah. Or, or maybe not <laughs> yeah. like you're putting him in his place, but you're also doing it in like a way, like you're almost innocent. I don't know. That's how it came across to me. That's yeah. That's sort of what I was going for was like, yeah, you're wrong asshole, but I'm going to be super sweet about it. Um, bless your heart. Nice. And the, the other two see this and like, he just, he's got this, he's still wearing the grin and he just looks at you and he looks and he's looking and probably like five seconds go by. And then he kind of like, he turns on his heels and his little trench coat, you know, kicks up some dust and he just starts to walk down the road without saying another word. And uh, I think Edda would be a little happy, but maybe she's a little nervous that she just pissed off higher ranking somebody and that's going to come back to bite her somehow. Now, is he, is he clearly higher ranking than a city judge? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So okay. I, 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 I sort of, you know, sort of turned to Edda and I, you know, I acknowledged like, very nice. Good work. And, uh, I think he's Edda, in his place. Yeah. And, and Edda, again, because she's just, she's really not happy about her position and doesn't seem to hide it well, uh, just sort of barely acknowledges his praise and lowers the brim of her hat again. So it blocks her eyes. Nice. Okay. Yep. Continuing on. Anything else? Nope. the the heat The heat begins to intensify as you, as you guys march on march on through the day. Um. Let me. So a little while goes on, and then from far off, you you spot a pair of black figures marching side by side. Their dark spears rise high up into the sky. And as they draw near, you can you can hear them as talk to each other as they approach until they get, you know, within 30 yards and then the conversation stops. And as you draw closer, one of them flags you down and Halt! You've been selected for testing. And he points to he points to Mika and he points to to Vesper. You two. And he produces a, a small bottle, uh, which you guys may be familiar with. Usually you just spit into it. And if uh, if your spore infestation is too high, it'll, it'll discolor. Gotcha. And, and this is and, something that we would have, this would have happened before. This is not a new thing. Uh, well, maybe for Vesper, maybe not for Mika. Yeah. Or maybe it has. You could tell me. I don't it is probably no. Well, I don't know. I mean, I my sense uh, is the the spore manifestations are things. But let me back up. The places that are centers of of you know like cities and habitation now are the ones that really thrive are the ones that are not right on top of a spore infestation like. The spores tip some places completely out. So if Mika's been in uh, the city the whole time, then I don't know that she necessarily would have been spore tested. Um, yeah, I mean, they certainly try to keep it out of the cities, um, right. which is so. Does she recognize this 
you know, the, the uniforms and the insignia of, does she, can she tell what group this is? Oh yeah. Sorry. I guess I should have said like their, their look is unmistakable. It's their spatillion, uh, famulancers, famulancers. Okay. Lancer, Thank you. Okay. And which like famulancers are tryhards. Like they're really like, they're, they're kind of like, really into and really loyal to the just doing everything they're told is kind of how I understand them. Right. Uh, so this is the same outfit that her, her idiot brother has fallen in with. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, probably. So, um, so Mika kind of wants to, to gauge to see if she can gauge how um, committed, like the guy leading them or the woman leading them, you know, are they like a petty officious bureaucrat or are they like really actually a serious, you know, person who's going to be difficult to mess with or difficult to, to talk out of doing this? So I'm not sure what she would roll to do that. I guess potentially perception. Okay. Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. So she's going to roll perception and see what happens. Boom. The game is broken for me. It just keeps giving me two successes. So I believe. Um, I don't know how much you're able to perceive so much other than they they probably appear to be like the same age as your brother. Although they seem to be taking this like very seriously. Like they're, you know, who says halt, you know, for some people, you know, escorting a donkey along a road and three hours from anywhere. So on one hand, they seem a little green. On the other hand, they're also seeming to take this pretty serious. Like they're being very rigid, I guess is what I would say informal. Right. And I guess going above table, is there really any reason for Mika to to contest this or argue with them about this? So. Mika, not so much. But Vesser, if I understand correctly, you have some spore infestation, right? Yeah, well, so that's the thing. So it looks like I have four spore infestation versus At, you know, a maximum of six. Right. And so um, if you are ever at – if you're at more than a quarter – of your maximum, this will discolor. Um, you could certainly try and weasel your way out of this. I'm definitely open to that. Um, usually what would happen is, like I said, if, if you're tested, they, they paint your hand yellow, basically alerting other spatillions and anyone else that you're infested. Uh, so, probably at this stage then you know trying to, to probably not want to do it if i can avoid it at this point right um you say you know look we're out of the city here we're on, uh, we're on a time schedule we, we gotta we don't have time for this you know so you know thanks but you know no thanks kind of fast talk my way through that yeah. Um I so give me a probably negotiations. Yeah. I was thinking negotiation. 
and just just so the oh, listeners nice. know and uh you guys nice um so this is a success and you do it uh pretty well um you have one one trigger uh, so you can tell me exactly what you say with that in mind you're going to pass this you're somehow going to convince them that uh, they really don't need to test you some other some other you can convince them otherwise is what i'm saying um generally speaking being infected isn't a bad thing unless you exceed that that maximum other than these interactions with the the spatillions and and so I'm you know I'm just gonna you know sort of you know sort of fast talk you know around like oh you know we just got out of the city we're on our way we're in a hurry you know, right before we left there was a gang of you there that you know we did all this and you know we're fine and uh yeah and just kind of approach it from that way just kind of again just try to fast talk them through it. Very well then. And they wait. Keep... They wave you on your way, kind of yeah, eyeing your just... cart as it goes by. Kind with of a suspicious thing. So quick, you know, Edda obviously takes note of the fact that uh, Vesper's not willing to take a test. And is Edda aware? I guess above the table is Edda aware of some reason, like why this is going to complicate things if he's going to fail these tests? Is she like? Okay, now we got to deal with this on the way back. Is there something she knows that this will be a, a hardship? I mean, I think just the yeah, I think on the way back and then other people seeing it would probably be kind of just the stigma that comes along with it, I guess. Is that I guess is that what you're asking? I don't Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So Ed is just going to be like, "Oh, Jesus. Now Anything else we should know, Vesper? Like, any other ways you're going to screw this up for us? Nice. And I'm like, what? We're in, we're in a hurry. I try to play dumb. Like, we just need to keep going. And Ed is just like, okay, all right. And uh, sort of, yeah, starts heading forward. Nice. Um, I like that. So another hour or so goes by, and wouldn't you know it, you run into someone else. Um, but I like that. Um, I like that you said that, Etta, because you guys, you guys run into another judge. Um, and. As as he draws nearer, Etta, you recognize him as your former instruct instructor before you went off to Bourne. Oh, so yeah, Etta probably stiffens up a little bit, gets a little nervous. Yeah, like right after you know lowballing Vesper, and he approaches and and at first he doesn't he doesn't recognize you, but he he tips his hat up and he Etta Etta how are you how long have you been back in Justinian Etta. Yes, kind of losing a, his composure and oh and yeah, that is a bit of a big deal. Um, so Etta, yeah, fills him in. You know, just the quick catching up, and she's clearly happy to see him as well. Uh, sort of that uh, hero worshiping that sometimes you get. 
how have you been? What, what, what's bringing you back here? And she, <laughs> she doesn't mention the true story about being a drug addict, getting called back and, but she sort of tries to make it seem like, yeah, no, it was really, you know, you know, that sort of thing where like, you know, it's really, it's actually a great thing that I was laid off and uh, you know, this is actually going to work out for the best. Um, when secretly you're like terrified about just getting laid off. So she's trying to put that spin on it. Like, yeah, no, it's, it was a time for me to come back to Justidian and uh, start, you know, there's no way to earn ranks, you know, out in the wilderness. I needed to, you know, start making my way, you know, if I'm going to make any progress up the chain. Um, so she's sort of selling it as like a good thing. She's back and ready always, to move up. Always a go getter. Tell me, who are these? Who are these uh, friends of yours? And he he starts to dismount from his, from his horse. And at first, Ed is about to say, like, "Oh, you know, you don't need to. We don't mean to hold you." Okay. Um, and uh, she says, "You know, I've been charged with uh, taking you know supplies to uh, to harm, and uh, these two, you know, are sort of helping me out." So. Now I'm going to hope uh, potentially have this come back to bite me as I try and impress him by making the other two seem less than they are. They have you escorting supplies to harm. Seems a little beneath your rank. Well, I think it's also part of a, so above the table is harm. Like one of these villages that's sort of starting to slip away from the judges. You know, some of the, uh, harm's pretty important. It's not like, when I say pig shit and stuff, it's it's just that it's it's strictly it's actually like a major agricultural hub. It's not I, I okay. would say it's not slipping away. So Okay, so maybe, you know, Edda tries to frame it, you know, like with a lot of the, you know, more distant towns starting to fall to uh and I apologize, I'm forgetting the name, like the nomad tribes that are way out there. You know, I was also asked to sort of shore up harm a little more and maybe we can use that as an outreach to try to start reestablishing further away from justidian interesting interesting and what's in the cart and he starts to move towards the cart so above the table did any of us we haven't actually looked did we were we expressly told not to or is there any reason why we don't know what's in the cart uh you haven't looked you were not expressly told not to um, and all you know is it's just a rickety ass cart pulled by a donkey with wobbly wheels and um, it's something under a tarp. Uh, so Mika kind of cuts him off and says, yourself, I'm Mika and what uh, worthy work are you on at this time? And sorry, just while Mika does that, Edda's going to finally sort of take a quick peek under the tarp, so she has some idea what they're lugging. Yeah. Bodies. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, so, like, he... Maybe Mika positions him in a way that his back is to the cart. Um, and you lift up the tarp, and there is a... Um, definitely the, the shape of, of a body... And as you lift the tarp, you're immediately hit by the smell from the heat. It's just like rotting stench pours out from from the tarp. And you see like the cloth that's underneath the tarp has started to discolor a little bit. That's it. So. I was just guessing bodies, by the way. 
had no <laughs> inside knowledge. So is this once more apologies for all the above the table. This is weird, right? To carry a dead body around. I mean, it's weird for <laughs> sure, I would say. Um Yeah, I would think so. Is I there mean, any may, maybe not for Vesper, but for you, sure, yeah. Yeah, is is there any I don't know if Edda would know this. Like are we like blankets with smallpoxing? here like am i able to look at this and say like, oh that shit's infected um you could give me i'll give you their choice like uh i don't know how much time you'll have to do this so the, i think the difficulty level is going to be a little bit higher you can give me cool. either give me a medicine or a perception check i'll let you decide all right uh let me see perception nope that's deception um uh it would be under both of them would be under instinct. one would be under in intellect and one would be under instinct Okay, my perception is one box. Um, I'm going to go with perception because the black boxes is a good thing, right? The more I have, yeah, the better yeah, that's I am. how many okay. rolling. And this is probably like, uh, like a five difficulty to do this in time with like him still being mm. distracted is what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, I don't know if I can actually succeed, but. Um, well, we can. Um, I know there's a way to help somebody and they can add dice to your pool if they get triggers and yeah. Correct. So what we could do, I could say we could have Mika roll. And if she passes her, um, I assume negotiation, maybe you can oh, tell me what you're expression. trying to do. I'm going to mini max this. All right. It's, it's interesting. I've been reading expression and I'm not, Unlike the other uh, charisma-based skills, it seems a little more loosey-goosey. Um, like clearly, negotiation and seduction and leadership, you know, all make sense. Arts is basically the the performing arts, and conduct is like kind of a courtesy manners type thing. Um, expression, you know, just the wording of it, you know, creates friends and foes, can threaten, flatter, hurt, command, or catch off guard. Expression is the power of the voice, of facial expressions and gestures. And, but it basically also lets you read mm -hmm. those things in other people. Um, but I want to use the expression. I'm trying to get him to talk about um, you know, what he's doing. And then I'm going to try to convince him that you know, Mika's being, or uh, uh, Etta's being really polite, but we're actually. Uh, under some very significant time constraints, so we really, we really must be moving on and not visiting. She just, she wasn't going to say that because obviously there's a relationship there. But uh, nice, fair. Uh, I love that. Give it. I like it. Roll it. Got two. Nice. Nice. And I got a trigger, so that should. Uh, give her at least uh, give her one on her my understanding is you only get you only give help for triggers though correct like if you're uh, helping someone you your triggers basically become bonus dice for their role is my recollection yeah that's what i thought too yeah yeah, yeah. the triggers become bonus so art's going to pick up a bonus die 
Um, and technically, you're supposed to roll the same thing, but since you're doing a different action, I think that makes more sense here. Obviously, you wouldn't be making a perception roll. So, yeah, you're going to give a bonus die. What's Vesper doing, Pete? So, being, I, I'm, I want to try to keep the focus on, uh, on uh, Mika um, while Etta, you know, is kind of taking a, a look. Um, because probably at some point I kind of have an idea what's in there. Um, so, you know, and we probably don't want this other, you know, this, this other judge, you know, to be scrutinizing too much. So I don't know if that's, you know, something, you know, are you were rolling what? He's going to perception, I think. Probably perception. Cause that's better than my okay, uh, medicine. Perception. Gotcha. Because I don't, I mean, I, I mean, kind of going with what you were just talking about, Matt, I don't know if there's anything I can roll to help him at this point. You know, if it's, you know, if you, I can't sort no, of. No, and that's it. okay because really he's just trying to figure out. Um, uh, I mean, Rex has already um, decided. So, Art, go ahead and make your roll with the bonus die, which I don't okay. know if the character sheet can. I was about to ask, is do I click a box to add a die and then take the box off? or is there Yeah, something... why don't you do that? That's probably the easiest way. Okay, I wonder is that what those um, those uh, dotted dashed boxes? No, that clears your. Okay. Uh, oh, <laughs> gotcha. So, not a success. And as you like, and what ends up happening, Art, is as you like start to peel back the top layer of cloth, you hear, um, you hear Mika like urging urging this judge on, and then. Like, as you glance up, you see him start to turn toward you to say goodbye. Like, he's buying her stuff. And he's like, of, of course, Etta, I'm I'm so so sorry to keep you from your important task. I, I hope you continue to strive in your success. Miko, it's very nice to meet you. And you, sir, I, I'm sure you're a fine gentleman, too. You're right. I should let you be on your way. You have important business to attend to. And he, he walks over to, uh, to Etta and ex- extends a hand. Yeah, Etta, you know, returns the gesture and uh, tries not to, you know, keeps her poker face on that she just realized there's a dead body under the thing. and She's still trying to play it cool and not be too distracted by that. And he he grabs your hand and, and gives it a firm shake and then probably a little bit of break of decorum here, like brings you in for one of those side hugs. And uh, he, he says to you, Etta. I'm I'm proud of you. Keep your nose clean and uh maybe uh maybe tell this gentleman over here to to take a shower every now and then. <laughs> yeah, Edda's like, yeah, you don't have to tell me. Will do, sir. It was great to see you. Hopefully uh is he back in Justidian? Yeah, yeah, and he'll yeah, yeah, look me up in Justidian. Yeah, uh, that's I'd what she does. Thing. She's like, Oh, we'll catch up. I'll 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 come find you. It's great to see you even in these weird circumstances. Stay safe. Uh, so real quick, uh, sheet tip. There's a thing called configuration at the bottom of the sheet. If you click on it, you've got some options and one's ask for a modifier. Uh, so if you check that, 
when you roll, it basically gives you a. Ah. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. So, like, I just tested it and and put one in, and it in fact gave me six d six instead of five for my perception. Nice. nice, perfect, cool. Thank you. As I thought. There you. Go. My work here is done. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Cool. Uh, so he makes his way on, and um, you got you guys start to continue in in your direction, and a while goes by, and I'll give you a chance here. He's out of sight. There doesn't. Uh, you don't see any families approaching or anyone else on the path at this exact moment. I, did you guys want to stop and look at the body or? Yeah, this is a moment where Etta, you know, is, Etta thinks maybe more than it's actually true that being a judge is intimidating her fellow travelers a little bit. And so she just snaps at Vesper sort of like, so what the fuck did you get us into? Do you know there's a dead body under there? Uh, I didn't, right? No, no, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, well, yeah, of course. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course, a dead body. <laughs> so, Edda's like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, what are we doing? Well, uh, we're doing what we're told. We were told to deliver this, and this is the kind of thing that I end up doing a lot crap that no one else wants to do uh so at a I mean, haven't you ever transferred a dead body before <laughs> i mean this is not, not i mean uh so etta you know pulls back the um the tarp for a second and sort of tries to give it a good once over you know an actual like looking at it trying to figure out if anything's weird with the body from her limited expertise. Yeah. And now that you've got the, um, the, the tart peeled back and you, you peel back some of the cloth. Like now the smell is just like gut wrenching, like nauseating and, and you peel back the cloth and, and you notice a couple things. First off, there's a meat cleaver strapped to the body with a note attached to it. And it reads for emergencies. And as you look over the body, it's it's the body of a man, and he's just covered in marks of just like bruises, cuts, scrapes, burns, just all over, um, with a, a very noticeable knife wound under his left arm going directly towards his heart, or what it appears to be. Do either of you guys have like some medical expertise or in any way to have an idea what's going on? Nope. Uh, I'm an intellect of one and a medicine is zero. This is probably where my silly brother would have been of use. Um, I've got uh, two intellect and one medicine, so I guess I could try. So Give it a roll. Cool, yeah. Because Ed is starting to get nervous that she doesn't quite understand what's going on, and her facade's definitely cracking. She's not cool and collected at the moment. There's one. Uh, not enough. You got a trigger. Not enough to, you know, um, not enough to get the full picture. Um, so do you want the cause of death or do you want the, the details, I guess? I'll give you an either or. I'll give you one of them. Uh, so Mika stares intently. 
she kind of changes her angle, and then she turns to Etta, says, um, "He's dead." <laughs> and I'll take the uh, I'll take the cause of death. Yeah. So I think you're able to like, you're able to like, for whatever reason, you're more willing or whatever to get closer, and it's through all the excess bruising and cuts and stuff. It's it's the stab to the heart um, that definitely did him in. Uh, so then Mika gestures to Etta, like, you know, come come over. I love the fact that I'm sitting in in my office at home and I'm actually gesturing with my hand. <laughs> nice. This <laughs> art could actually see that. Oh, okay, I'll come on over. Um, so. You see, you see the big hole, right where like the heart would be. That's why so he's it, dead. I was about to say, <laughs> initially, Ed is like, "Huh, interesting." Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, nice. I, I, I know it's, I know it's not my role to judge, but I would just, <laughs> I'm getting the feeling that maybe in your. Uh, pristine academic life you haven't seen very much of this and unfortunately where i've grown up it's a fairly common thing that you see people like this so for some reason someone wants us to get this body to harm and i want to make sure it gets done because i don't want to live the rest of my life seeing things like this so can we just move along yeah, Etta definitely the the more this is clearly beyond her control, the more she's willing to listen to Vesper and uh and Mika. She tries to cover it up with like, well, the only dead bodies I'm used to seeing are the ones that died by my hammer, but um but it's clearly just a bravado that's not not fully convincing. Nice. What's Vesper think of this? Well, you know, again, I, 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 I sort of feel, well, so let me just ask real quick. So with this knife that we see there in this note, you know, does that, is that mean anything to me from a cult standpoint? You know, was, is this, you know, a typical way that, you know, someone you um, know, is, is quieted in some fashion or. You know, is this a message that's being sent to someone that I'm delivering? I uh, think the message is, and what you take from it is, if you need to do something, like if you got to get rid of the body quick or something happens, well, here you go. Chop it up and make it smaller, I guess. Gotcha. But you're still finch. tasked with delivering it. Right. There's a finch for that. So... There's so a finch I, for that. And you know that that body needs to get to harm. Or you know that the package, so you didn't know it was a body. You know that the delivery needs to happen. Yeah. So for you, yeah. that's if something bad happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm like, you know, look, I, 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 I just do what I'm told. And this is what I'm supposed to deliver. And you guys were here to help. So let's get going. Yeah, you guys get on board. You guys get on the road again. And probably another... Oh, two hours or so go by, and 
like now it's mid to late afternoon. The sun is just baking you guys and the body and it's this dry summer heat. And of course the inevitable is starting to happen. The, the smell is seeping out and just everything around you just stinks. Um, Unfortunately, it's it's overpowering every breath you take, and you're noticing that some travelers, as they go by, just get a disgusted look on their face, and no one, you know, you're not getting friendly greetings anymore, like anything like that. People just yeah. pass by and just, ugh. And as as you get more and more looks, and as the smell gets more and more intense, things go from bad to worse. As you're leading the donkey across a particularly rough patch of the road, of course it's filled with potholes and divots, one of the cart's wheels breaks with a resounding oh. crack. The donkey gets startled by the sound, and he immediately begins to panic, dragging the vehicle along the ground, trying to escape. He's just freaking out. He's braying everywhere. He's trying to break free. And he, he's really what you see is going to happen is He's either going to hurt himself or he's going to break the link between the cart and gallop away. Gotcha. So, I, I mean, my first instinct would be to try to sort of calm him down and tame him a little bit, though I have zero in taming. Well, you can give uh, me a thing. You can still make the roll, uh, yeah. but that's what you would be going for. Oof. Oof. No, and eventually... Um, He's brain and, and, and you try to calm him down and he's just freaking out more and more and then all of a sudden that, that link does snap, maybe bu- you know, bumps against a rock or something like that, and, and the the donkey gallops away, probably I don't know, like a hundred yards or so. Um away before he calms down and, and starts to meander and, and spot or something like that. Gotcha. All right. A loud, disgusted sigh escapes Mika's. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't put the pothole there. So a couple things become evident to you as you, as you look around. You see the donkey. Um, on the other side of the road from the donkey um, is a large barn. Uh, probably something owned by one of the providers, one of the farmers in the area. Um, you know, a few, I don't know, 20 yards off the road or so. And of course, you're reminded of the four emergencies note. How uh, far do we think we are from harm? Uh, you're probably about halfway. Oh, geez. All right. You said the donkey stopped about 100 yards away? Yeah, so, um, yep. On the other side of, not that it super matters, but like barn, 20 yards or so, then you hit the road, then another 100 yards in the opposite direction, you hit the donkey. Mika turns to to Etta. uh, Any chance you're about to share with us how... When you were studying to be a judge, you know, how you had to slop out the stalls where the donkeys were kept or anything like that? Uh, So 
Edda did spend some time. Uh, what was the rural town you mentioned? You mentioned the name of it. And I forgot the name of it. Um, she has spent some time in rural community. So maybe she would. Um, maybe she might have seen some uh, animal husbandry, or maybe she knows a little bit about how to fix the wagon. Maybe not well, but uh, yeah, maybe she says, let me, let me see what I can do. And she starts walking towards the donkey and uh, she pulls some, some chestnuts from nice. the supply they bought and uh, gets it in her hand to offer it. Good. Nice. Um, and so the, the, the donkey appears to be calm er uh it's still a little skittish but it's not it's not moving away from you and as as it smells the chestnuts or as you offer them up it starts to eat out of your hand time for the hammer um <laughs> so yeah so while the donkey does that i see if i can sort of grab the reins yeah and uh try and sort of when when it's ready cuz i don't want to spook it and have it take off on me sure um start making its way back Maybe not right up to the cart, uh, but maybe closer. Yeah, yeah, and maybe, you're able to do so. Maybe to like a like a small tree or something, so I could sort of, you know, tie the, the donkey up to it or something, so it doesn't bolt. Well, there's like a hitching post near the barn. Oh, yeah, perfect. That's that's that would work. But you do have the problem that the cart is still in the the middle of the road. But at least the donkey's secure. Now, above the table, with you guys looking at your character sheets, is somebody better equipped to go ask for help? I mean, Rex, you seem to have some expression that... I guess I have a couple of expression as well. I don't know if that might be better than me trying to judge it up and say, you know, I'm commandeering this vehicle, police business. <laughs> well, are we trying to get the wagon repaired? Or are we trying to get a new wagon to call this stinky corpse. Right, well, so yeah. how, how bad is the wheel? You know, does it look like it's something that could even be repaired or, you know, is it something that we feel like, okay, well this, this wagon is done. In its current state, it's pretty done though. Like, I mean, the wheel is busted and off, but, um, I mean, you could try your, try your luck in the barn. If you wanted to try to find like a replacement wheel and, um, because the wooden wheel itself that fell off is is cracked. Okay, so th 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 there's really no option to try to even repair it, and I, I don't, I doubt if any of us have a the intellect and engineering or the crafting kind of uh, skills to to do that anyway. So I, I'm gonna walk towards the the barn and see if there's anybody there that maybe we could try to get a wheel from. Um. So um. There is, um, or, or uh, real quick, how, how heavy is this cart? I mean, you, know, you said is it, it's in the middle of the road. So would we be able to at least kind of carry it over? Oh, to the side no, of the road? like you wouldn't be able to, you may be able to, you could try to, you could put the donkey up to it and just try to drag it the 20 yards or so to the barn. Um, but it, it's a pretty good size cart. Like, so. 
Gotcha. So there's there's really so we almost have to leave. Sort of in the. Is here. Lose the cart, please, with the meat cleaver, take the pieces, or try to fix it. Um, but it's just, it really is just a matter of time before someone tries to help, or, you know, another judge comes along, or a spatillion, something like that. There's a part of me that likes the image of us trying to Chewbacca's with C3PO on the back, <laughs> but it's like a liquefying, bloated. Corpse that's about to pop right. in the heat, <laughs> right? But um, I, I feel like I I don't know what Edda suggests is. Let me try and stand guard because maybe I can bluff some authority if people come by and I can do some like move along, nothing to see here. Um, if you guys want to see if we can barter a wheel or steal a wheel or, but I guess barter. Right. That's an option. Well, well, let me ask you know real quick. Maybe I missed something with with that note. What what did that note say? For emergencies. And so, am am I? Because at first I was thinking, you know, well, he was killed with this meat cleaver, and you know, this note was pinned to it for emergencies. Like, okay, so the emergency was killing this guy with a meat cleaver. But now I'm wondering, was the meat cleaver there for emergencies like this, where we've got to chop him up uh, to to move him more effectively, uh, or to uh, you know, what do you think, guys? Or that, that's how I took it, and I think Matt, that's sort of what you were. Yeah, describing I, a little I bit. will never get the C3PO image out of my head. Now is the perfect <laughs> comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Etta at least would, that's like option three, um, given how bad it's smelling and like, you know, the way it stained the tarp, you know, from the fats breaking down or whatever happens to bodies. I'm going to play it off. Like, I don't know when I know exactly what, um, so yeah. So maybe Etta's trying to avoid that aspect for as long as possible. And yeah. I will say, um, this like it really stinks. So, if the wrong person comes along, a judge, they're probably going to recognize the stench at this point. But this is the only thing in the cart, right? It's not like there's other stuff in the cart that has to. It's just this body that that they want us to take to harm of a murder dude. So there's, there's significance to the body. So I'm not ready to start chopping on it. I know that I know it's there, but I don't know that this is the emergency they had in mind. So okay. All right. are we, are we able to get the tarp under the body so we could drag it away from the cart? So at least the cart itself. Oh, yeah, is... sure. Um, I guess step uh, one, should we see if the barn's empty? If it is, maybe we could drag the body in there while we figure out. Yeah, so when you say barn, is there say there was there was a is there a farmhouse near it? Or is it just a barn? Um so it's like it's just like a small it's a it's a farming building with like kind of a living area attached to it almost. Okay. Like it's pretty right. standard for what you would see for producers in the area. All right. 
And as you guys look at it, it appears to be empty. Well, let's go. Uh, let's go at least check that out. Well, shoot, because yeah, I don't want to leave it in the middle of the road, and all of us are in this barn. Is there like a judge? You stay here. Yeah, the body. In case one of your friends comes along, we'll go see if there's anybody in here or anything that we could use to get us on our way. And Vesper, can I just go on a limb and say? If there's people to talk to, you let me talk to them. Sure. If there's somebody to beat up, you can beat them up. <laughs> uh, sure. Okay. Actually, I think the one who's uh, more badass is uh, Etta. I think <laughs> that might be what I bring to the yeah, table. No, I'm not yeah. really a. I'm not really the fighter type. Well, above table, what do, what do you think Vesper, like what his strengths are? Uh, his, he's, you know, more agile, has more instinct, um, you know, he's got some, some, some decent mobility, dexterity, a little bit of expression. He's scrappy. He's only at a, <laughs> he's only at a three body and a, a two of toughness and and a two of melee, but when I was doing that combat the other day, you know, I realized that uh, Etta, it seemed like Etta was a much more harder-hitting character than Vesper was. Because um, all, and, and as far as his weapons are concerned, he has brass knuckles. <laughs> so, that's about well, it. You're still a better fighter than me. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, I'm sure that I'm, I'm a better fighter than, than me. Mika's very much instinct and charisma. That's where uh, her strengths lie. So, uh, so Mika says, "Fine. One of you stay. One of you come with me." And turns on her heel and starts walking towards the barn. Gotcha. I'll just go with you. And while they do that, Ed is going to look around. Is there like a small little hill I could drag the body over and sort of get it away from the cart and out of eyesight from the road? Um, not particularly. It's pretty, um, open and vast here. I, I mean, there's like, I guess there's some vegetation if you want to go hide behind some bushes or something. Yeah, maybe I would, uh, sorry, uh, could I drag the body behind the bushes or is it not really? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll just try it. Okay, good. Uh, so you drag the body behind the bushes, and the other two, as you approach the the provider farm, it appears to be empty for now. I, w- I wouldn't say deserted because, as you as you peer inside, or maybe you look at the like the doors that can open up, you see that there at least appears to be a spot where a cart would normally be, and there's actually somewhat fresh tracks leading out towards the funnel road, um, and like there's a little work area kind of deal um if you wanted to like drag the cart in there if you wanted to try that out but for now it appears to open no one appears to be approaching the road at this time and we will stop there because we are pretty much exactly halfway perfect nice Nice. sure yeah probably less than halfway so you said less uh, or right at halfway uh, probably more than halfway. We're probably further than halfway. Okay, nice. 
Oh, good. Good deal. Good. Uh, so I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna head. Uh, when when I get back, I will send out a doodle and we'll finish it up, and then we'll, um, we'll go from there. Um, okay. I will try not. I'll try to get away from the southern vibe. I don't know why it's like just sticking with me. All this farm talk, I guess. I don't know. But obviously, it's not rural Oklahoma that we're in. So, all right, good gentlemen. Yeah, right, thanks, nice boys. Yeah, yeah good thank stuff. you so much. Thanks. No, yeah, no, I'm gonna go nice read again. I'm gonna try. <laughs> right, right, exactly. All right, well, cool. You guys have a good night. Yep, night, boys. Take it easy, guys. Uh,